Chapter 1, we're looking at verses 3 through 6a. Following the reading of the Word of God. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ, just as He chose us in Him before the foundations of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before Him in love. He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the kind intentions of His will, to His to the praise and glory His grace He freely bestowed upon us. Father, help us to hear this. Help us to understand. Father, this is... Uh, over our head theology, the Trinity's plan for the body. Father, help us to grasp some of this in our understanding of the feebleness of our temporal souls. But, Father, help us to be overwhelmed with the glory and the magnitude of the King of kings and Lord of lords. Father, of the Trinity's plan and that you and I, that we stand today part of that fulfillment. Help us, my King, to hear. In Christ and Christ alone. Amen. We've been working our way through this, the aspects of forming the body of Christ. In verses 4 to 6, we've seen the aspects of blessings in verse 3. So it's kind of like a two-part Trinity's plan. I shared with you that in the letter that you have in your Bible right now, it says, To the saints who are at Ephesus. Some of the old manuscripts, there's numerous manuscripts of this book. Some of the old manuscripts don't have Ephesus in it. And if you go through the letter contextually, you'll realize that it's not dealing with any given situation of a local fellowship and or individuals. We just came out of 2 Corinthians and there were people that Paul was dealing with. And he names them. And situations that were specific to the church in Corinth. Here, you could literally, without any problem whatsoever, plug any congregation into the saints who are at. And it is so massive in this text that it is the body of Christ. And that's we hear the bride of Christ, the vine of Jesus, the root of... And we hear all of these terminologies that are used to describe the quote-unquote church. But if you're really honest with yourself, the best terminology is the body. Because the human body needs all of its parts functioning or it's not efficient. And one of the things that I have watched in, the, in my life as a minister is that a lot of people aren't doing their part in the body. They come, they say they want to receive. Last summer we went through what is discipleship. And we went through the disciples and the individuals that make up what you and I know as the 12 disciples. But we looked at that text in Matthew 10, and that text says that he called his disciples and then he made them what? Apostles. Alright? But you have to train them before you send them out. Okay? And, and, and one of the things that I see that is missing in the body of Christ is a very foundational thing. I share with you what I learned from the Bible to help you understand, and I'm going to send you out. 
That doesn't fit the church growth model. We should be scattering ourselves. But the problem is, we are scattering people that don't need to be out there. Because they haven't been trained. Okay? That is the body of Christ. We are here for the edification of the saints. Edification means to build you up. I need to strengthen you. I need to show you what this book says so that you can take this book and go out and strengthen others. Okay? So what we're looking at is the Trinity's plan. We looked at the method. The method is election. People don't like to hear that. Well, then just take this part out of your Bible. There's no problem. Take you a black marker and just write through there. All right? It's not there. You don't have to worry about it. All right? He sovereignly chooses. Now, listen. It does not negate our responsibility. Okay? I showed you Judas who was set aside to betray Christ, who was responsible for his sin. It's the same coin. Well, how does that work? However God wants it to. All right, second, there was the object. The object for the aspect of the body is the elect. If you are truly saved, I was at a church that runs 60,000 people in Southern California. Okay? And he made a statement from his pulpit, and I thought, dude, they're going to lynch you. But anyway, he believes that in the rapture of the church, there's not going to be enough of us missing that anybody's going to notice. And you're like, what? And he's been preaching at his church almost 50 years, 40 some odd years. Okay, now, you also understand that he's in the L.A. Basin, and there's a few million people hanging out there. Okay, and they've got some, everybody, everything is a massive church. But anyway, I I look at, and, and when I thought about that, I thought, man, you can't, can you say that? And then I thought about it, and what I've witnessed in the body of Christ among the people, even here in Castle Rock, he's probably right. I'm not sure that on the collecting of the saints, there's going to be enough of us missing that anybody's going to notice. And we might really want to ponder that a bit. We are the elect. When were you elect? What was the time? Before the foundations of the world. Before he made space. Before he made planets, before he made time, before he made matter, he knew who you were. I don't know. That ought to chill you. That should be one of those things you just sit there and go, whoa. Because we get so absorbed in what we are doing that we forget what we are doing. What was the purpose? Why did the sovereign God, before eternity passed, choose us to be holy and blameless, spotless, spotless? 
And that's a fascinating because I showed you in, in Colossians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, that last week, that you know what? Jesus Christ is the fullness of God. And that word fullness is the same word he uses in 10. And for verse 10, he says, that fullness is in you. What fullness? The fullness of God. And, and I find it fascinating because we like to hang up on Christ is in me. The hope of glory. Okay? You know, I'm indwelt by the spirit of the living God. He has sealed me. All right? You know what Paul freaked out on? He was in Christ. He was in Christ. See, Paul's perspective was to the divine side, to the deity side. I'm in Christ, which means God's in me. And I showed you the verse last week in Romans chapter 6, where we are united in Christ, which means that the molecular structure cannot be separated. And that is already there. And I look at people living these apathetic lives and, and you try to coax them to understand. Do you understand what you already possess in Christ? Well, you just don't understand. Oh, gosh, you're right. All right. And it's frustrating as, as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not believing in a political official. I'm believing in he who spoke and existence happened. That's the one. And when the church can get a hold of that, then they're going to rock the universe. Look what 11 half-hearted souls did. You are fruit of them. And you didn't see them, well, I need to go to seminary, or I need to go to gospel evangelism explosion class. No. Understand who you are in Christ. And then be overwhelmed. Be overwhelmed. We always want to talk about being indwelt by the Holy Spirit. That's biblical truth. Absolutely. But at some point you need to move past that and understand that you are in Christ. Fifthly, what is the motive? What caused the Trinity to come up with this idea? Easy. Last part of verse 4. Two words. In love. In love. Why did God do this? His love. There's one reason. His love. We have a group that are, is studying the book of Judges. And, and you see a repetitive thing in the book of Judges. And it, and it speaks. First of all, you, you see this phrase. God's anger burned against them. Now, I don't know about you. I don't have to be a theologian. But I don't think that's a really happy place. Just, just an idea. Alright. But you always see this phrase that keeps showing back up. What is it? He Pitied them. The reason that he bestowed his love on you and me. He pities us. He pities us. 
in his love, because of his love, he pities us. He pities us. You've heard the verse, and I'll deal with it here in a few minutes. God so loved the world. He loved it. He still loves it. He still thinks it's awesome. And yet the world rejected him. Everything he does is always love. It's always love. We make the statement, you know, God is love. And we think, whoa, that's so profound. Okay, really? Is it? What is love? I can tell you what it's not. It's not icky sentimentalism. Okay? What is love? Let me give you a definition that I found from uh, John Calvin. It is the heart of God when he determines to sacrifice himself to meet the needs of others. You ever think about that? It is the heart of God when he determines to sacrifice himself to meet the needs of others. And I'm still starting to figure out when I read that from John Calvin, why are people mad at him? I think that's a pretty good definition. Listen, love is not an emotion. Love is an act of selfless sacrifice. Okay, the key there is selfless, meaning it ain't got nothing to do with me. Sacrifice. You know what sacrifice means, right? I'm giving something that is important to me. Valuable to me. Jesus himself said, greater love is this than a man lay down one's life for his friends. Love is the act of Self-sacrifice. Self-sacrifice. That's how it's seen. That's how it works. Love is an action. You go. Everybody wants to talk about, I'm getting ready to get married and I would like to use uh, 1 Corinthians 13. And that's always funny for me. Because that text has absolutely nothing to do with getting married. But everybody wants to use it. I want to use this in my marriage. Really? Have you read it? Be careful what you ask for. You may end up marrying Lucifer. Okay? But if you look at that text, that's all verbs. You know what that is, right? It's all actions. It doesn't mean that you get up in the morning and you look her in the eye and you blink your eyes and you flutter your eyelids and say, I love you. That ain't what it is. Go read it. And then after you read it, you want to have a good time, go try it. And then realize that you are to love your neighbor as yourself. Self-sacrifice is that when we seek the betterment of someone else, I want them to be better. You ever thought about that? How can I make 
each and every one of you better. Now you got your hands full. God determined that he would sacrifice himself for us before the foundations of existence. He did it in love. He set his affections on us before the world began. Think about that for a second. Have you wrapped your head around that? Before there was anything, there weren't even any angels. God set his affection upon you and me. God said, for those people, I will die. I will go to the cross for those people. I will build a kingdom that will never end for those people. And you don't think you have any value? You don't think you have any purpose? I see so many people living apathetic lives and I keep thinking, do you realize that before he created existence, he created a kingdom so you would be with him forever? Other than that, you have no value. That's an interesting concept when you think about it. For those people, I will pour out all of my spiritual blessings in the heavenlies. Those people, heavenlies, we already looked at that. The dominion of God, wherever he is, is the heavenlies. And God is omnipresent, so where is he? Everywhere. So everywhere you look, the blessings are there. And yet, for whatever reason, we don't tap into it. We don't tap into it. Went to a funeral two weeks ago, and they had this, evidently, I don't even know if I'd call it big screen TV. It looked like wraparound or something. And, you know, all of these pictures and fireworks and clouds and all the rest of it, and how awesome this was at this man's funeral. And I sat there and I thought, they said, you know what? That's exactly how God. And I was like, no, it ain't. <laughs> ain't nowhere near what God does. Now, Disney would be happy. But I don't think God's got, God's looking at it saying, God, what a bunch of morons. And, and that, that's just amazing to me. I know a group that sent a film crew to Israel to take photographs of the tomb. In, outside of Jerusalem. And then they put this, I don't know, a documentary or whatever. They put it on this big, I don't even know how to describe it. It's, it's a massive television, I guess, I, that is probably eight and a half feet tall and probably 25, 30 feet long. Okay, and they put it all up there and Look at what we did. We took these pictures when we were in Israel. And look how awesome this was. It's the greatest resurrection service I've ever seen. 
Really? Tell Jesus that. See what we do? No, man. I am in Christ because of his love for me, specifically. And he had a love for me that was so intimate that before he created anything, he says, I'm going to set my love on you. And to seal you, I will put my spirit in you and he in you will show you the massiveness of Christ's love. And won't you grab a hold of that which can't be known? Then God will do exceedingly abundantly beyond what you could ever think or imagine. Grab a hold of that. I have traveled the globe teaching Bible. I taught the book of Romans to the Russians. I took the book of Romans to the Azerbaijanis. I preached on the south steps of the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. I preached across the street from Peter's house in the synagogue that Jesus was arrested in. Now I want you to think about that. I can tell you, I didn't plan any of that. It wasn't even an idea. i got to be honest with you. Out of the first 4,572,000 things I want to be when I grow up, pastor ain't on the list. And God said, watch this. Think about that. What made it me? I can honestly tell you, I started studying the Bible in the beginning because I wanted to find the contradiction that was in it so I could prove everybody wrong. That's a spiritual guidance. All I have to do is find one. Because I find one contradiction, buddy. I'm going to beat every Christian I find to death with it. 35 years later, I'm still looking. You're more than welcome to join me. But do you see what I'm trying to get at? No, I'd have never thought about this. I remember a little Russian lady in uh, Galantz. I had, had been there. They have celebrations for all kinds of weird things. And, and this was a celebration of the angel coming to tell Mary she was with child. So I preach revelations. This is that baby. This is what this was all about. So I got done with it and all the rest of it. This woman come up and and she's got tears running down her face. And I'm sitting there going, oh, great, great. <laughs> I screwed that up. And she come up to me. She holds my hand. She kisses my hand. And she pats my face. And then she through the interpreter, she says she wants to give me something. And I told her, I said, I don't want nothing. I, I don't want a thing. No, 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 no. And so she walks out, and I'm thinking, okay, I sold her on it. I don't want nothing. She comes back, a babuska. She comes back, she's got a bag of eggs. She says, I, I, I live on a fixed income, but my chickens have these eggs. I want to give this for the word. And I'm like, I don't think I can get that to customs. <laughs> I just thought, I just, 
thinking, maybe not. I've never been so touched in my life. So I took it back to where I was staying, and Luba made these uh, Russian raviolis out of it or something. I don't know. They were really good. But I said, that ain't going to go in my carry-on. I'm just telling you. All right. First thing they ask me when you get to the United States, have you been around any agricultural things? No, nah, man. <laughs> Those eggs I took with me. So, But that lady was so... She had lost her husband and her two children. And she was so stirred by the resurrection of Jesus Christ and His second coming and that this American had showed up to share that with her. She says, this is all I've got to give you. Listen, guys. I will go to the cross for these people. I will build my kingdom for these people. I will pour out every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies for these people. And the reason that we don't see this or we don't witness this is that we all sit there going, well, that's just for the preacher. Really? I used to be an electrician. And God says, I have a change in plan. Too many of us are sitting there not understanding the resources that are available to every single child of God. Listen, it ain't because I'm educated. You guys know I ain't been at school. (laughs) You talk like you ain't been at school. I don't know. They say, well, how do you get those Greek words? I got this Greek dictionary in my office. That's how I get it. I used to have a a computer program that you could punch it in there and it would pronounce it for you. Oh, my brothers and sisters. This one sentence in verse 3 through 14, if the body of Christ would grab a hold of this, we would literally shake the core of this planet. Why did he care so much? Why? Because God is love. We love him. Why? Because he first loved us. Chapter 2 of this letter. Verses 4 and 5. But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great, what? Love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Even when you had no ability whatsoever to even perceive who God was, He still loved you. He still loved us. That is amazing to me. Because I don't care who you are in this room, you have qualifications on your love. Unless you allow Jesus Christ to overwhelm you. And then you love them all. And it doesn't matter how many times they hurt you, how many times they stab you. It doesn't matter. Why? He first loved us. 
We are together with Christ. Listen, I, every time I, I just read through this sentence, it's a big sentence, it's a long sentence, I am amazed. I am truly amazed. And I've been reading this letter since about July. Every day. And I still read that first, that big old long sentence and go, man, man. Because see, when I say the saints in Ephesus, I drop that and I say to tarry. To tarry. My God loved me before he created existence. God set his love on us. And you know what? The Apostle Paul never got over that. And I don't think any really true Christian should ever get over that. I think that should be one of the most amazing things that continues to rattle our heads every time we think about opening our eyes. Do you realize the magnitude of his love? It's, 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 it's like in chapter 3 of this book when he comes into that prayer that the Holy Spirit will strengthen you in the inner man. For what? What is he going to strengthen me for? So you will understand the height, the depth, the breadth. And the word is zenith. Of Christ's love, which is unknowable. I want to show you something that humanity can't know. And it will only be done by the Holy Spirit. And once you get a hold of that... (laughs) Once you get a hold of that, it will rock your universe. See, we see that God... Has planned this. And you guys know that I'm not a planner. So you know it ain't my idea. But he planned this. He planned this. He planned it before he even created time. Alright I want to go back to that verse that I shared. That everybody knows. You see it in almost every football game these days. Uh, Tim Tebow got a big accolades because he had them little tape things under his eyes that I've never understood what those are for, but they're under his eyes. And he had John 3.16 written under his eyes, and everybody goes, oh, look. Okay, great. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Do you understand that? In light of what you and I have been looking at, the elect, the election, the time, the purpose, the motive. We read that and say, well, there you go. It's right there. It's simple, very simple, very easy. Well, let me tell you something. How extensive is God's love? You ever thought about that? How extensive is it? Oh, he loved the world. Other than that, it's just minute. He loved the world. Let me tell you this. How expensive was God's love? It cost him his only son. How expansive is God's love? Whoever would believe. Whoever would believe. How long does God's love last? It's eternal. It's endless in life.
Brothers and sisters, grab a hold of this. You get a hold of this, you'll be sitting in Baku at a Lebanese restaurant eating a burrito. <laughs> I mean, in life, don't get any weirder than that. And God said, well, here, there you go. Don't ask what's on the burrito. Just eat it and say, thank you, Lord. And please, may this thing not erupt at one o'clock in the morning. Right? I can tell you this. Do not eat seafood in Russia. Don't do it. Mm-mm. I've done it twice, and you'd have thought I'd have learned after the first one, but I tried it again for the second time, and it did the same thing the first one did. Okay, so I said, so exceedingly abundantly, but no seafood. Got it. Brothers and sisters, we've got great doors open for us for the gospel in the future. And everybody's looking and saying, well, let's send Terry to Far East Russia. No, man, why don't you go with me? Why don't you go with me? It's not complicated. You can't read the street signs. You have no idea what they just called you. But you do have your Bible. That's exceedingly abundantly beyond what you could ever think or imagine. First of all, you have to know what you're saying. If you don't know what you're saying, you know what? Stay put. But brothers and sisters, they always ask me, they say, well, do you have like Slavic blood or something? No, man. I got Cherokee, Blackfoot, Negro, and Scott. Okay? That's what I'm made up of. Okay, you know what we call that? A mutt. (laughs) Then why are you going to Russia? They want the book. They want the book. Although I have been started praying that I can go to Petershead, Scotland, to a church of the brethren and proclaim my Christ. That's where uh, David and Rhoda are. All right, the Trinity's plan, aspects of forming the body, the method was election, the object is the elect, the time is the eternity past, the purpose was for our holiness and blamelessness, the motive was God's love. Next week, we will look at the result. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the love that surpasses understanding, guarding our hearts and minds. Father, I thank you that you so loved the world that you gave your only son. Father, I pray that those that are here today believe in every fiber of their being so that they may grasp the height, the breadth, the depth, the zenith of Christ's love. And that, Father, yes, we are indwelled by you, but, Father, may we be overwhelmed that we are in Christ. Thank you, my King. May the love that you have poured into our hearts, we love you with more, with every breath you grace us until that day our faith becomes sight in Christ. Amen.